Welcome to Beyond Great Sex, the podcast that will revolutionize your sex life. I'm Morgan Horn, I'm a sex and intimacy coach, and I am going to give you the tools to create the mind-blowing sex life that you've been craving. When you apply the teachings from this podcast, you will drop the shame, limiting beliefs, and everything else that has been keeping you from enjoying the intimacy that you were designed to experience. Instead, you will unleash your unlimited potential, sexual and beyond. When you work with me, great sex is only the beginning. We're going beyond. Hey lovelies, how I've missed you. I'm so happy to be back with you after the holidays. It is still January. I think uh, as I'm recording this, it's like January 30th. So I think it's almost still appropriate to wish you a wonderful new year um, with tons of sex, passion, pleasure, orgasms, connection. And I might actually do an episode on this and tell you how to approach this new year so that 2023 is the year you finally experience the sex life of your wildest dreams. Because if hot sex is on your wish list, know that it's possible and within reach. Trust me. But today we're going to talk about fear of rejection and people pleasing and how they affect your sex life. It's something I noticed a lot in sessions with my clients, and it's something I've experienced a lot myself and still do sometimes when I don't use my brain intentionally. So first, we'll discuss what fear of rejection and people pleasing are. We will see where they come from. We'll talk about how they show up in our sex lives, and then we'll discuss solutions and what we can do about it. Because as you know, I like to give you tools that you can immediately put into practice to create the sex life full of passion and pleasure that you dream of. So without further ado, let's get to the heart of the matter. So what is rejection or feeling rejected? So feeling rejected is an emotion that translates into sensations in the body. When we feel rejected, we have a thought like, he rejected me or she doesn't want me, or people don't like me. And this thought generates the feeling of being rejected, which manifests itself by sensations in the body. And we all experience our emotions in a unique way. But to give you an example, when I feel rejected, I feel a violent sensation, as if I got hit in the chest. I have the sensation that my blood runs cold. And at the same time, I get this like hot flash. My breath is short. My heart speeds up. It's like a feeling of inner panic. In short, it's a very unpleasant sensation, but a sensation nonetheless. Objectively, nothing is happening around me, right? I'm safe. This feeling of being rejected is internal, like all the emotions we feel. And people-pleasing, as the name indicates, consists in wanting to please others. We talk about people pleasing or being a people pleaser when we care a lot about whether other people like us and want others to approve of our actions. In general, it goes hand in hand with conflict avoidance, and we prefer to say and do things we don't necessarily want to as long as people are happy with us. And although fear of rejection and people pleasing can occur independently of each other, Often people-pleasing is a symptom of fear of rejection. We're afraid of being rejected or not accepted. It's the same thing. 
And so we'll do and say what we think others want from us as long as they're happy with us and accept us. So people pleasing is essentially the actions that come from fear of rejection. It's what we say or do, thinking that it will get us accepted and will avoid us rejection. And today we're going to see how this shows up precisely in the context of intimacy. So now that we have seen what fear of rejection and people-pleasing are, let's see where they come from. Why are we so afraid of being rejected? Or in other words, of not being accepted or loved by everyone? You may have noticed that this is a pattern of yours. And if so, the first thing I want to say is that it's not unusual and it's not a sign of weakness or that something is wrong with you. We're all afraid of rejection at one level or another, some more than others, depending on our childhood traumas, our life experiences, but also our personal growth journey and our awareness of this fear. Because with coaching, for instance, we can completely change how we respond when this fear shows up. But fundamentally, the fear of being rejected is part of the human experience and of our evolution. We will never completely avoid it. Going back to prehistoric times, when people lived in tribes and caves, being rejected by others was a death sentence because it was very difficult, if not impossible, to survive alone. There were tigers and many other predators, famine, pandemics, natural disasters. Everyone in the community had a well-defined role. One would watch the fire, another one would hunt, one would breastfeed the children of the tribe, etc., etc., And without the security provided by a social circle, you were pretty much doomed. Today, of course, technology and infrastructures have made considerable leaps. We have internet, heating, air conditioning, medicines, vaccines, food abundance in a majority of the world, clothes that adapt to seasons, comfortable homes, planes, boats, electric cars. We don't risk being eaten by a tiger every time we leave the house. Most of us are not confronted with real threats and dangers, right? But our brains have not evolved as fast as our circumstances. Look, I'm not a doctor, but I think that if you were to analyze a prehistoric brain and a present-day brain, the differences would probably not be as great as the differences in living conditions. And so our current brain functions in much the same way and reacts just as strongly to the quote-unquote false dangers of today as to the real dangers of that time, because it perceives them as real dangers. It does not make the difference. So for example, we can have a very intense emotional response when receiving an angry email from our boss, when being ghosted by someone we like, when speaking in public when we're afraid to be left, when we fail an exam at university, our brain switches on the survival mode in all of these situations because it sees all these circumstances as real dangers to our survival. Our chain of thought will look something like angry email from boss, danger. It means I'm going to get fired. It means I won't be able to pay my rent. It means my life is over. It means I'm going to die alone in a ditch. And to take another example I just gave, when you're ghosted by someone you like, it looks more or less like this. They don't answer me, danger. It means they don't like me. It means that I'm too fat or that I talk too much or that the sex wasn't good or that I'm not interesting enough. 
or not intelligent enough, or maybe too ambitious. Oh, I think I was too boring. I talked too much about money. I didn't listen enough. I have to lose weight. I have to change my whole personality. I'm unable to keep someone. In fact, nobody will ever want me. I'm going to die alone in a ditch. Which reminds me, I gave a workshop at a women's business club and one of the participants came up to me at the end of the workshop and said, all your stories end up with someone dying alone in a ditch. What's up with that? So there is clearly a theme here and perhaps I should get coached on this. Anyway, you get the picture. Our brain dramatizes things. It perceives the smallest events as real tragedies. And on top of that, it has a negative bias. It is literally wired to focus on the negative because it is by focusing on possible threats posed by our environment that we have survived as a species. And so when your brain keeps coming back to the conclusion that something is wrong with you or that you're going to die alone in a ditch, it's because it thinks it's protecting you. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how our brain works. And the logic it follows sounds something like, I must find the flaw so we can fix it and avoid the worst. If I find out what's wrong with me, we can fix it and we won't get fired or rejected, abandoned, humiliated, or any other circumstance or emotion that our brain perceives as the end of our life. When in reality, there is nothing to be fixed. There is nothing to avoid. We can welcome all our emotions and imperfections and navigate the 50-50 of life that is made of both good and bad. And we'll talk about this in more detail when we get to the solutions. But for now, another point I want to make about the danger our brain perceives in not being accepted by everyone, it's the disparity between men and women. Have you ever felt that you question yourself 10 times more than your male partner or your male colleagues or friends? Have you noticed that you find it harder to be assertive than the men around you? Do you feel that you're less confident or more careful about what you wear, what you say, what you do, and how others perceive you? If so, there's a reason for this. And it is that for women, being rejected has represented an actual danger for much longer than for men. And in some parts of the world, it still does. When you think about it, over the centuries, women have been forbidden to work, to hold bank accounts, to own property, to inherit, to vote. And so unless we found a suitable marriage, which provided us with financial security and the physical security of a home, we weren't sure what would happen to us. And that was not that long ago. This fear of rejection is therefore even more ingrained in women's DNA. So again, understanding where this urge you may have of being accepted and liked at all costs come from, it's huge. You can stop beating yourself up for thinking that you're weak or that something is wrong with you. The fear of rejection is ingrained in all human beings. It's part of our evolution, but especially and even more so for women. The other thing that is more common to a majority of women is this tendency towards people-pleasing. I mentioned that people-pleasing is often a reaction to the fear of rejection, where we say and do what we think others expect from us so that we're sure to be accepted and to stay safe. 
But for women, people-pleasing is also a matter of conditioning. We have been conditioned by society to be the object of men's desire and to bend over backwards to please the male gaze and be, quote-unquote, chosen, right? Unlike men who are conditioned to pursue the object of their desire, to go hunting and to conquer. And we'll see in a moment how this dynamic is expressed more precisely in the context of sexuality. But before that, the last point I wanted to mention about what causes our fear of rejection beyond evolution and survival is that more generally, human beings have a fundamental need for love, affection, and connection to others. We're not solitary animals. We are meant to live together. Again, this need for connection varies from person to person and will not show up in the same way for everyone, but all scientists and psychologists agree that some level of closeness is necessary for our development, and it's therefore natural to have a certain need for acceptance and belonging to a social circle. Okay, so now that we have the basics behind our fear of rejection, let's see how it shows up in our sex life because we're here to talk about sex after all. Before anything, I think it's useful to point out that it may not always be obvious to you that you're operating from fear of being rejected. Fear of rejection has a way of disguising itself. And by this, I mean that you may not be consciously thinking, I'm afraid that my partner will reject me. But you may be thinking, my husband wants it more often than I do, so I do it to please him. When you put it that way, you may not immediately realize that you're in people-pleasing mode because you're afraid of being rejected, right? It almost sounds nice. Oh, I just want to please him. You know, it's normal in a couple to want to please the other person. But what's really going on is a fear of not satisfying your husband, a fear of not being enough. A fear that he'll get bored or seek it elsewhere or even leave you because you don't, quote unquote, give him enough of what he needs, right? Or even without going that far, you may be telling yourself that this is part of the give and take of being in a relationship and that you're just being a good wife. But again, your actions reflect a form of fear of rejection. I push myself to sleep with him because it's expected of me. Otherwise, my relationship will not last. So I think you'll have guessed from this example that fear of rejection generally shows up as a tendency to focus on the other person and to worry about their fulfillment and pleasure to the detriment of our own. And you might say to me, what's wrong with that? It's a good thing to want to give pleasure to your partner. And I'm a thousand percent with you on this and please do choose someone who cares about your pleasure but the important question to ask yourself to know if you're in people-pleasing mode by fear of rejection is why am I doing this or that what are my reasons for example when you go down on your partner do you do it because it turns you on to pleasure him because you love to hear him moan and squirm with pleasure, because you love feeling his penis caressing your throat, you love the sensations, you love the taste, the texture? Is it because you feel powerful knowing that you control his pleasure and that you literally decide when he comes? 
Or do you give him oral sex despite the fact that you hate it because if you don't do it, one day he'll seek it from someone else because you don't satisfy him? In other words, you're afraid of not being enough, afraid of being rejected. When we're afraid of being rejected, sexually, we tend to do things that we don't necessarily want to do because we think that it's what our partner wants and desires. And we're so afraid that the sex won't be satisfying to them that we're willing to pretty much do anything as long as our partner comes out satisfied. Now, the second way in which I observe the impact of the fear of rejection in our sex life is when we ignore our desires, both literally and figuratively. That is, we ignore their existence, or when we do know about them, we set them aside. So when I talk about ignoring the existence of our desires, I mean that we don't even know what we want, what turns us on, what gives us pleasure, because we are so focused on pleasing the other person that we never care to ask ourselves what it is that works for us. I can't tell you how many times I ask women how they like to be touched, how they like to be caressed or licked, what positions they like, what toys they enjoy, what contexts, um, if they like dirty talk, if they like to be insulted, if they like to have their hair pulled, if they generally prefer sex to be gentle or whether they like it rough, if there is a time during the day that they prefer a place. Anyway, I have... 150 more questions like that, but I think you get my point. And I can't begin to tell you how many women tell me that they just don't know. They don't know what they like because they have either never asked themselves that question or never allowed themselves to explore it. Once again, we come back to our conditioning of pleasing others and not asking ourselves what we want. Which brings me to the second way in which we can ignore our desires because we fear rejection. And that is when we just act as if they were not there. So sometimes we don't dare to ask what we want, either because we're ashamed of it or afraid of what our partner will think, or we don't want to, you know, quote unquote, impose these desires on them. And a typical example I hear from seven out of 10 heterosexual female clients is that they prefer not to ask their partner to go down on them because either it will take too long or he might not be into it or he doesn't do it right, but they would never dare to ask that he does something different because he might get offended or he doesn't get any satisfaction out of it. And because all that matters anyway, is that he is satisfied, right? When he ejaculates, we consider it satisfying sex. Mission accomplished. Some women will completely ignore their wants and needs because they think that the sex will not be satisfying to their partner. That's fear of rejection once again. And so they would rather focus on pleasing them. Another typical example of this is faking orgasms or grossly exaggerating signs of encouragement during sex. Same thing. My clients tell me, I want to make sure he's satisfied. If I don't come, the sex won't be satisfying for him. And when we dig a little deeper during the session, we always uncover fears like he'll think there's something wrong with me because I can't come or he'll get offended I prefer to avoid the uncomfortable talk, so I fake it. 
it always comes back to a form of fear of rejection where my clients would rather people please and fake it rather than risk being rejected. So this brings me to the third way in which I observe this fear of rejection affecting our sex lives. And it's probably the most serious reason and what motivated me to do this podcast episode in the first place. And that is when we put ourselves in danger. Because beyond the frustration, the dissatisfaction, the pain, the unhappiness, the misunderstandings, the despair, and the conflicts that fear of rejection provokes among many couples, which are already enough reasons to talk about the subject, right? I see this fear of rejection putting us in actual danger. It can go as far as sexual assault or even worse. How many women or even young girls, teenagers, have found themselves in dangerous situations because they were afraid to be unpleasant, to say no, to be seen as a prude, or to offend a boy and be rejected. I could give you hundreds of examples. Just listen to the news or ask around and you'll hear stories that will break your heart. But I'm going to give you a few concrete examples that my clients have shared with me that I'm sure many of you will relate to and that illustrate how far this fear of rejection can go. And you'll notice once again how it's not always immediately apparent that it's fear of rejection and our conditioning to people pleasing that is behind our actions. So first example My client, who at the time is still a teenager, is at a nightclub. A guy she knows from school offers to drive her home. She can feel that it's not a good idea. Her intuition tells her to say no, thank you. But he insists, and she doesn't want to offend him. He's popular. She's afraid he'll tell everyone that she's a daddy's girl who prefers to call her parents to pick her up. So she accepts, and he sexually assaults her in the car. Another example is a client and a man she's been meeting for the first time. They go on a date to a restaurant. He invites her for one last drink at his place. They kiss. They start caressing each other. At that point, she enjoys it. She feels aroused even. But then he takes off her blouse and she doesn't feel ready to go further. She tells him it's going a bit too fast for her, to which he responds something like, I really want you. The evening was going so well. Don't you want to be with me? And so she feels like she owes him somehow because he paid for the restaurant and she did agree to come to his place. She feels guilty for getting him all, you know, turned on and then saying no at the last minute. So she ends up sleeping with him and feeling shameful and dirty afterwards. A third example is a client of mine who spends the evening with a guy she has recently started seeing. They are kissing when she tells him that she's on her period and is wearing a tampon and doesn't want to have sex. And very hands-on, he tells her, I don't mind, and penetrates her with her tampon. Caught off guard, she doesn't know how to react and doesn't dare to ask him to stop because she wants the experience to be pleasant for him. This is the kind of situation that could have ended up at the emergency room. The tampon could have gone up her vagina. She could have have forgotten about it. It could have generated a risk of infection or toxic shock. And even without going to that extreme, she was not at all comfortable and had a rather bad sexual experience. 
And now I'll give you a personal example of mine. It was the beginning of my relationship with someone who I eventually stayed with for several years, but we had only been going out for a few days when we spent the evening together. We started kissing, caressing each other, and before I knew it, I was naked and he penetrates me. It all went so fast that I didn't even have time to realize I wasn't ready for it. At this point, I tell myself that I can't tell him to stop, that it's too late, that I look like a tease who says no at the last moment, that I don't want to hurt his feelings, that he'll think I'm a prude who needs you know, time before she can have sex. Tears start running down my eyes. I try to hide the fact that I'm literally crying in the middle of sex. I'm ashamed. And the experience is so violent to my body that at that point, I have a kind of facial paralysis where, I kid you not, the muscles of the lower part of my face just freeze. He eventually realizes that something is wrong after what felt like a lifetime. Um, and so we stop. And, you know, I could go on with my long list of examples, but I just really wanted us to discuss this issue because these stories are the stories of millions of women. The fear of being rejected and this compulsive tendency to people pleasing can lead to dramatic situations. And what is important to realize is that our bodies, my body and those of my clients, have experienced all these events as aggressions, whether or not there was an aggression in the legal sense of things. Our body doesn't know the law, right? It only understands the sensations and emotions that run through it. And in each of these examples, what happened was there was a situation, a circumstance, our body sent us signals that it wasn't ready, that it wasn't comfortable, that it didn't feel safe, and we ignored it. And I'm not saying this to make us feel guilty. The point here isn't to find, you know, who's to blame or to discuss whether the men in question should have acted differently or whether the problem is that we all cruelly lack sex education and sexual communication or whatever. I just want to talk about what we risk creating when we act out of fear of rejection or go into people pleasing. When our body tells us, I'm not ready, I'm not comfortable, it's going too fast, I don't feel safe, and we ignore it and continue what we're doing, what's happening is that we send signals to our brain that we're not going to listen to our body and protect it when in danger. We are essentially saying to our body, screw your safety. What matters is that other person's opinion. Your safety and well-being are less important than what this other person thinks or feels. And in doing so, we feed a pattern of insecurity that can be problematic in the long run. By repeating this pattern, beyond the potentially dangerous situations we put ourselves into, our brain can associate sex with danger. And since it has registered the information that we will not protect ourselves in case of danger, it will put together elaborate strategies to keep us safe. A typical example is to kill your libido. If your brain thinks that sex is dangerous because every time you feel desire, you put yourself in situations that your body experiences as an aggression, 
your brain will make sure that you don't have any desire to keep you safe. You get the picture? And so I see clients whose sex drive has been dead for years and don't know why until we dig a little and we realize that they haven't listened to their bodies in the past and that this non-existent libido is actually a protection mechanism set up by their brain. And I'll give you my thoughts and tools in a moment to break this pattern and make sure you always respect your boundaries and avoid situations where you put yourself in danger by acting as a people pleaser. But just before we get there, there is one last way we can experience fear of rejection that I wanted to mention. And that is when we start doubting or second guessing ourselves. We'll tell ourselves that we're asking for too much, that we're too demanding that there is no such thing as a guy who'll take pleasure in going down on us for an hour, that there's no such thing as a guy who'll share our most torrid fantasies with whom we can have mind-blowing sex and with whom we can also have deep conversations and be on the same wavelength intellectually and emotionally. Whether it's because we don't trust that our desires are realistic, feasible, achievable, or don't trust our ability to be loved by someone who would meet all our criteria, we end up ignoring or rejecting a part of ourselves to be better accepted by someone who basically doesn't satisfy us because we don't believe a better or more fulfilling relationship is accessible to us. Okay, let's talk about solutions. This is my favorite part of the episode because I like to give you food for thought and tools to transform your life. So now that we've identified what fear of rejection and people pleasing are, where they come from, and most importantly, now that we know what we create in our lives when we're in that space, how can we break this pattern? I think the first thing is to understand that feeling rejected is just part of life and the human experience, and that no one is exempt from it. We will all experience this emotion at different times in our lives. When we understand that the feeling of rejection is nothing more than an emotion in our body, just like other negative emotions like sadness or stress, we don't feel the urge to escape it at all costs. We can make peace with it. Accepting that this feeling will happen to us simply because we're human and as such we will experience the full range of human emotions regardless of our circumstances is liberating. It allows us to accept feeling the emotion without having to draw negative conclusions about ourselves or our ability to be loved. But what I find fascinating about the feeling of rejection particularly is that I think our brains actually think there's a way around it. Because unlike sadness or stress that I just mentioned, which you can feel without interacting with anyone, and that are truly internal in that sense, the feeling of rejection involves another person in theory, right? I think our brains think we can escape this feeling because technically... If we never left the house and had no interaction with the outside world, no one could reject us, right? But here's the thing. I'm going to tell you what really happens when you do things out of fear of being rejected. And once you understand this, I think it will change your life. 
it has definitely changed everything for me. And it does for my clients as well. So here we go. When you do things because you're afraid to be rejected, what ends up happening is you reject yourself. And I'm going to explain what I mean by this because it's incredibly important and liberating to really understand this principle. When you hold back on expressing your desires to your partner because you're afraid they'll reject you, when you do things sexually that you don't want to do or aren't ready to do because you prioritize your partner's sexual satisfaction over your own, when you hide parts of you so that you'll be accepted by other people, what you're doing is you are rejecting yourself. All these actions you take because your brain thinks, if I do this, I'll be accepted and therefore I'll stay safe, is a strategy that doesn't work. Because guess what? You have already been rejected by yourself. You have rejected your desires. You have rejected your safety. You have rejected your personality. You have rejected your intuition. You have rejected your very essence. You have rejected yourself already. And there is nothing that feels less safe than rejecting yourself. It deprives you of your inner safety. If you take anything away from this episode, I want it to be this. Because if you understand this concept and really integrate it, you will never want to people please again. And the fear that someone might reject you will be nothing compared to the prospect of rejecting yourself. Now, to address what we can do specifically to avoid situations where we put ourselves in danger when we act out of fear of rejection or out of people-pleasing, like the examples I mentioned earlier from my clients and myself, the first thing to do is to learn to listen to our bodies and to know our boundaries so that we can respect and honor them. This can be done by having a discussion with yourself before going out or meeting someone for the first time, for example. What is your body telling you? Do you feel emotionally safe enough with this person to have sex if things were to move in that direction? In general, are you the kind of person who can have sex without knowing your partner well, or do you need an emotional connection? Are there things you don't like to do and that you know make you uncomfortable? Knowing yourself deeply will help you avoid putting yourself in situations that get out of hand and where things happen so quickly you don't have time to see them coming. I also recommend that you have a strategy in place before you go out on a date, for example, or meet someone for the first time. Intentionally decide beforehand what you are going to do. For example, this could look like saying to yourself, if after dinner I don't feel like going to his place, I will not budge. No matter what he says to me, whether he gets offended or not, I will respect and honor my boundaries for my own sake and to protect myself. Having a plan in place and making decisions in advance from your prefrontal cortex, which is the more evolved part of your brain, before something happens that could cloud your judgment is one of the best ways to protect yourself. Over time, I have learned to know my body, to understand it deeply, and I'm no longer afraid to say no or to say stop because I do it out of love for this incredible body of mine that carries me every day. 
I have also learned to recognize my fear of rejection when it shows up. And I can remind myself that if I listen to it, I'll end up rejecting myself, disrespecting myself, or even putting myself in danger. And that that is far worse than quote unquote offending someone or letting them think what they want to think of me. My inner security, my sexual well-being, and my satisfaction are far more precious to me. Another thing I wanted to say is that, in my opinion, being rejected is actually natural and pretty healthy. It's even a good sign. You can't be liked by everyone. You can't please everyone. You can't have the same tastes or the same opinions or the same interests as everyone else. Being rejected is part of life and a sign that you are being authentic. I'm always suspicious of people who get along with everyone. You know, those people that everyone likes. If everyone likes you, it's probably a sign that you're not really revealing yourself, that you're not 100% authentic and that you're just people pleasing, basically. It's just impossible to fit everyone's criteria, whether we're talking physical appearance, personality, or something else. The very reasons why someone likes us will be precisely the reasons why someone else doesn't like us. If I take a personal example, I talk a lot, and not just on this podcast. <laughs> Growing up, I was often criticized for talking too much and for interrupting. I've been told that I'm only interested in myself because I don't let others talk enough, that I monopolize the attention, that I take too much space. And over the years, I've become very self-aware and self-conscious of that because that's not how I experience things internally. If I talk all the time, it's because I have no filter. Literally, everything that comes through my head comes out of my mouth. And when I interrupt people in conversations without meaning to, or I don't leave enough time for you know others to bounce back before I speak, it's because I'm genuinely so excited and enthusiastic about the conversation that I just want to participate. I want to answer, right? On the contrary, if I'm not interested in you, that's when I don't talk. So if you ever see me silent, you'll know. But the point... I'm trying to make with this example is that what some have seen as a flaw of mine and a reason to dislike me, others love. I'm regularly thanked by people who tell me that I make them feel comfortable, that there isn't an awkward moment in a conversation with me because I always find something to say. I know people who are more introverted and who tell me that they don't always like to speak and that they feel more confident around me that they have never seen my verbal diarrhea as a lack of interest on my part. On the contrary, I ask them a thousand questions and they feel my sincere interest in them. And this is to say that whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you wear, whatever you weigh, you know, um, your haircut, your sexual preferences, your political opinions, whatever, it will please some people and not others. Some people will like you, some will not. This is a way of thinking that can help you when your fear of rejection creeps in. Just tell yourself that it's just a sign that you're being authentic and sincere. It's part of the game, and it sure doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. 
Another way to gain perspective when you feel discomfort, when you're thinking that you're being rejected, is to first understand that feeling rejected does not mean being rejected. The emotion you feel is created by your thoughts. But how can you say with certainty that you have been rejected? It's mostly a matter of perception. It's your interpretation of the situation. But when we dig deeper in coaching sessions, I guarantee you that we always end up seeing many other possible explanations. And even if someone has indeed explicitly told you that they don't want you, what if it's still not you that they're rejecting? For example, a client told me in a session that her husband, with whom she's been married for more than 20 years and with whom she has six children, has told her that he doesn't like making love to her, that it doesn't work for him, and that he doesn't like it. He just doesn't get pleasure from it. Now, you might ask me, how in the world can you not feel rejected when your husband tells you this? I get it. And I'll spare you the details of the session. But by being curious and compassionate and asking questions like, what if it's not me he's rejecting? What other possible explanation could there be? Why is he saying these things to me? My client quickly connected to the dots and her husband's performance anxiety and insecurity because she doesn't come from penetrative sex. And this led him to believe that he is incapable of pleasuring her that way. Long story short, my client realized or chose to think that it is his lack of self-confidence that her husband is projecting onto her. It's easier for him to blame her than to admit how he feels because he's too afraid to go there. Another typical example is when someone tells you that you're not physically their type. For example, that you're too fat. Instead of thinking that this person has rejected you, what if you chose to think instead that this person has a preference for thinner women? And yeah, you might be disappointed or sad if you liked that person, but thinking that they are choosing something else rather than rejecting you is a game changer. It's no longer you who's being personally rejected. It's not about you. It's about the other person's choices and preferences, and that's up to them. You can leave their preferences to them and remove yourself from the equation. And this leads me to another point, which is that if someone rejects you, guess what? You didn't want that person either. Often in sessions, clients tell me that they engage in sexual practices that they don't want because they are afraid that their partner will leave them or seek it elsewhere, or they want to lose weight to please their partner or they fake an orgasm to boost the ego of a one-night stand, or something else. But when I coach them, we always come to the same conclusion, which is that deep down, they don't want the same things as the person they are desperately trying to satisfy to avoid rejection. They don't like the same sexual practices as this person. They are not on the same wavelength. They don't want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't accept them as they are. They don't actually want that other person any more than they want them. And this is a question that I want to suggest you ask yourself today. If you find yourself in a situation where you're afraid of being rejected or someone has rejected you and you're finding it hard to move on deep down, 
do I really want to stay with a guy who is pressuring me to change my appearance? Do I want to spend my life with a woman who doesn't share any of my desires? Am I really interested in this person? Do I see myself building a life with them? And this is a good segue into another perspective I want to offer you today, which is to focus on the other person rather than focusing on yourself. It comes back to the conditioning of women to please others and to be chosen and that annoying tendency of ours to put ourselves down and to want to change everything about us so we don't get rejected. A typical example is what goes through our mind on a first date or a first night with someone. How many of us will literally obsess about our appearance, our weight, the fear of not being liked? or not being good enough? What will she think when she sees me? What if he thinks I'm too fat or doesn't like my breasts? What if they think I'm boring? What if he runs away when he sees me naked or can't get a heart on? What if they think the sex is bad? But have you ever asked yourself how much you like the person in question? We tend to put others on a pedestal when they're just people with flaws like us. And more importantly, we're so focused on ourselves that we don't take the time to really observe the other person, to fully engage and be present when we spend time with them, to ask ourselves the right questions. So this is a piece of advice I'm offering you today. If you are prone to the fear of not being liked, of not satisfying your partner or partners, of being rejected, redirect your attention to others when your brain tells you that you are inadequate or that you have to change who you are to be liked by someone. Instead, start observing them and get curious as to whether you like what you see. You might be surprised by what you find out. You might not like them that much after all. And the last thought I want to share with you today and with which I will conclude is that the best way to navigate this fear of rejection is to start choosing yourself. If you are focused on convincing others of your worth and lovability, it's because you have not sold yourself on it yet. Get to know and cherish the wonderful person that you are. Build a sexy and juicy relationship with the body that carries you every day. Fall in love with this absolutely unique personality of yours. You are your greatest gift, your greatest love. And when you learn to truly love yourself deeply, the thought of someone else not accepting you will seem so insignificant compared to the self-rejection you inflict on yourself when you bend over backwards to be liked by others. You are the only person you can be sure to spend your whole life with. So love yourself. All right, lovelies. It was a long one today, wasn't it? I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that it has enlightened you. Please do not hesitate to share your feedback or questions with me. You can reach me on my Instagram. My page is referenced in the summary of this episode. I would love to hear from you. Seriously. Okay. I'll see you soon.
If you have loved this episode, please add a rating, write a review, and share it around to help spread the word to all the women out there who need to hear this. I am so grateful for you listening. And if you are ready to take this work deeper, book your discovery session with me at www.morganhorn.com. That is M-O-R-G-A-N-E-H-O-R-N.com. We will explore any issue you would like help with, and you will learn all about my coaching program so you can get started on creating the sex life of your wildest dreams. I will see you there.